Hello, fine people of the golf world, and welcome to episode 41 of the Good Good Golf Podcast. Rod Murray at the controls, though not in control, as we sound the alarm and dive once again into the depths of this endlessly fascinating game. Well, I say game, but for some, golf is much more than that. More than just a pastime or a casual pursuit. That goal of getting a little white ball into an unfeasibly small hole an absurd distance away has become part of the very fabric of everyday life. And on today's episode... We're pleased to welcome just such a person. Jay Revel is a self-confessed golf tragic and recently released his first book, The Nine Virtues of Golf. It's just one of the topics we'll no doubt touch on in today's discussion when we get underway in just a moment. For that, though, I must bring in my regular co-host and another who I think we can safely classify as a full golf nerd, Adrian Logue. Adrian, good to have you in studio here at Talking Golf Central Studio. I'm looking forward to the chat today, our second with Jay. It, it is indeed. We had Jay on the the uh, I Seek Golf podcast, didn't we? We did. It wasn't It wasn't good, good. It wasn't good, good. So he's a good, good debutante. Um, before we get underway, Rod, I just wanted to mention uh, the great feedback we got from last week. Indeed. Uh, with the, we had the podcast with uh, Kerry Cooper. Uh, and if you guys haven't had a listen to that, I'd strongly recommend having a listen to that. Uh, really encouraged by all the feedback we got from people uh, expressing similar stories and... Uh, uh, it was very. It was, I found it very encouraging, and I think you did too, Rod. Yeah, indeed, no, full props to you because you did organise that entire thing. You found the story originally. You got in touch with Kerry. You organised the times. You even organised the, the Skype contact details. You could have done almost no more <laughs> apart from host the show yourself. So that one is all on you. Well, and I too full, was full props to Kerry for telling her story. So, yeah. A lot of the feedback that I got was from women who were related to everything that she said. Uh, and or, or to portions of it, and uh, a lot of the men who were also um, sort of found it quite confronting and to the point of feeling a little bit of shame about golf as an industry but wanting to do something about it. Which is kind of the point. How it's did kind your, of the appropriate reaction. How did your round with the three ladies go on Saturday at Pimble that you mentioned? Uh, really good. I, actually, I, I didn't realise this did you was win? the case. Did you win? What did you score? What did you shoot? <laughs> There's, I, well, I, I did. That's not the point, but I, I, I did win. But it's not the point. Uh, but it was. Uh, I didn't realise that it was actually the first week that they'd been able to play off the back tees because all of the tees have been rated now at Pimble for, for women. So uh, they were joining us off the back tees, which was really a lot of fun. Now, last week you told me that I caught you a bit off guard when I threw uh, over to you. That's a lot of a radio I threw to you okay. to tell the people where they could find us and get in touch. So I assume today you'll have all that information at your fingertips and ready to go? Not really. Just let me look oh. around here. Okay. Fool me once, shame so, on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Anyway, people seem to find us some way or another. But uh, if you need to send feedback to me, you can send that to Adrian Logue on Twitter uh, and also adrianlogue.com. That's all my stuff is there. And uh, Rod is at Rod underscore Mori on Twitter. And he's got open DMs, as he likes telling us, so, so do I. But and here at the studio, sense. pretty much all the time. If you really want he's to see me, just drop by. He's I'll always at the studio. Yeah, yep. from early morning to late Salubrious lodgings. Here. Enough about us, if there is such a thing. Uh, time to bring in our guest. It's always a pleasure to chat with and get the thoughts of Jay Revel. Jay joined us last year on, as Adrian said, the IC Golf Podcast. Is that still all over the place for you? Is it's it? very loud now. Well, it turns you up. Now I'm going to turn you down. You ready? That's, right. I can, that's, that's fine now. Enough of all that. Time to bring in our guest. It's always a pleasure to chat with and get the thoughts of Jay Revel. Jay, Jay joined us last year, as Adrian said, on the old I Seek Golf podcast after the passing of one of the game's most fascinating characters in Forrest Fesler. Today, however, we're focusing on the man himself. Jay Revel, welcome. Sort of back. Good to catch up. How's life in US lockdown, my friend? 
<laughs> uh, it's interesting. There, that is for damn sure. But uh, uh, you know, it's um, kind of bad for a lot of things, but generally been pretty good for my handicap. Uh, you know, so got that going for me. How are y'all? Yeah, we're going. Out. Is the lockdown feel like it's dragging on as long as that intro did? That might be the messiest, longest. The, the people won't endure all of it, but you did. So full marks to you, my friend. After Listen, some- hey, s- some people tune in for the guests. I tune in just to hear the banter between you two. So uh, I'm in. I'm you, in for it. You do have some issues. Now, listen, I mentioned that you did a book there. You self-published. Before we get to the book and what it's about, what is that process? What are the nuts and bolts? I hear that a lot, self-published. How does that work? What does it mean? Well, um, Fortunately, we, we have uh, this behemoth of a uh, company called Amazon uh, with its global reach that makes the self-publishing game a little uh, more convenient than something uh, that, that maybe people can remember from years past. But it's actually surprisingly easy uh, to do, uh, which is great because I can screw up anything. Um, <laughs> Welcome to but, the club, Jay. Uh, you, you're, yeah, you're among friends here, my friend. <laughs> kindred spirits in yeah that, in that sense uh yeah no it was it was it was a pretty easy process i you know it was kind of fascinating we once the the lockdowns really kicked off in march you know found a little extra time on my hands and uh had been wanting to compile some of my stories for a while and spent a few weeks doing research and uh i, I did work with a company here in tallahassee florida that uh did a great job of helping me format it, and then, uh, but once they gave me the final document, you know, you just upload it to Amazon and press send, and 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 you're live out in the world. And uh, I've been I've been thrilled by the reception so far. It's been a it's been a cool experience, and one I've I've learned a ton, as you can oh, imagine. I, I, There's I, I just imagine. a lot of little tricks in that world that are pretty interesting. Now, pardon my stupidity, but then how does the printing process work? And pardon so me, stupidity too, who's quietly sitting time. over there looking at me as if to say, thanks for asking, because I wanted to know too. Yeah, it's, you know, the great thing about it is, is um, it, I'm not really out of pocket that much, which has really made the whole thing possible. Uh, everything is print on demand. So, you know, when, if, if, when you go on later and you buy one on Amazon, uh, it'll get uh, printed, drop shipped anywhere in the world. Wow. And uh, I get my royalty off of it. The Amazon folks get a little cut. Uh, printer gets a cut, and everybody goes home happy. You know, so it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's uh, what a what a world we live in. And Jeff Bezos edges ever closer to becoming humanity's first trillionaire. Of course, he's got like thousands yeah. of people in the linotype machine <laughs> yeah, saying, exactly. "Oh, there's another order for Jay's thing." Oh, we're <laughs> <gonna put> the- <laughs> Typing it out furiously on pages and stapling it all together. Well, good on you, mate, because it's a – I think I've said this before. I write a column every week. That's about enough for me. I can't deal with much more than that. So I can't imagine what it takes to decide one day, you know what, I think I'll write a book and then actually do it. I can do that. I think I'll write a book. Can't get past that. So congratulations on that. Without giving it away, the plot, what are the nine virtues of golf? What's the what, – okay, so what's the sort of concept? We know that you write a lot about the game. I think you might be addicted to it. You write so much. What's the sort of concept there? Well, you know, in short, uh, you know, when you were doing the intro, you talked about you know being a golf tragic. I guess I that that really is what the book's about. Um, golf has been such a um, a dominating force in my life from you know my early years all the way till now. Uh, you know, in fatherhood and 
going through husbandry and all those duties. Um, but it, it really has shaped every, almost every element uh, of, of who I am. And uh, what the book is, is I, I kind of call it a, a greatest hits album, volume one. Um, it's a collection of stories from uh, the past three years, really my first three years writing about golf. And um, the title comes from a piece that I wrote a couple of years ago that uh, got a great response from from people really around the world. It's amazing what you can do when you start publishing your stories online. You know, even though a lot of the traditional uh, outlets for for golf writing have dried up, there really is a plethora of of opportunity out there. People doing their own thing. Um, and that's what I started out doing a few years ago, and really just was was, was uh, something that emerged from my passions from golf, and I, I have felt compelled uh, continue to do so uh, to share my feelings about the game. And you know, I, I tell everybody I don't I, I write what I call Jay Revel stories. You know, they're not um, they're not for everyone, but for those who are the golf tragics and are, are maybe looking to find themselves. Uh, in someone else's writing about how the game affects my day-to-day life and how it's influenced me and, and what it has meant to me personally. Um, I, I continue to find I get great feedback and notes from people all over the world who have read the book and said, you know, this really connected with me because it it just reminds me of so many things that have happened in my own life. And, you know, so I, I don't write too much about the tour. I don't write too much about... Uh, um, you know, some of that stuff, there's a lot of great voices out there doing that, that I like to consume. And, um, I like to just write about what, what golf is like in my everyday life and why the game is so beautiful and important to so many. So that's the book in a nutshell. It's a collection of those, those kinds of stories and, you know, touch on everything from, you know, that the, the lead story that the nine virtues of golf piece is sort of a, um, a reflection of the golfer I, uh, am still trying to be, um, you know, the, the things I try to adhere to when I'm playing golf and, uh, things that I try to look up to, you know, that were instilled in me by, uh, really by a lot of, by my, my parents and grandparents and other people in my golfing and, and, and full-time life. Uh, but, uh, there's all kinds of stuff in there. There's a, again, a variety of stories that I think when people read it, if you're a, if, again, if you're a self prescribe golf tragic you're going to find a little bit of yourself in those pages mm. yeah i mean you've really got a competitive advantage over a lot of other golf writers don't you jay because you're not writing about outside of event outside events you everything you write about comes from within so you've really got a unlimited source material there that you can come up with some days it's a little more limited <laughs> but, uh, but no, you, I mean, you're, you're correct. I, you know, I don't, I don't know how much of an advantage I have. Like I said, I, I'm so blown away by the amount of great content creators that are out there in the golf space these days. And, you know, a few years ago, I, I got this crazy idea that, that I might could be uh, a voice in the game. And for me, as I was searching through, I'm still searching through it. You know, you, you do a lot of A-B testing, trying different things and, what I continue to find is every time I would publish a story, uh, whether on my own site or uh, in a different publication that was reflective of my experience in the game and um, something that I tried to portray, you know, how I really felt uh, deep on the inside about golf and how the game really moved me in different ways. 
that's the stuff that I always got the most feedback from. And uh, I think there's a lot of people who spend an awful lot of time thinking about how important golf is in their lives. And um, sometimes they walk around maybe thinking they're crazy and looking for someone to share a pint with and have that conversation with. So I try to do that through my through my pieces. And uh, it's resulted in a lot of cool friendships and, uh, and connections. Pretty neat. You, you really got your first big start, Jay, when you were in the uh, top 50 50- Golf Twitter accounts, I think, isn't, <laughs> oh, don't, don't. isn't that right? Not that old. That, that, that really uh, it was just a launch pad for your writing career, I think, wasn't it? Hey, hey, everybody, let, let him answer, right. man, and that was a good one to start with. And the king, the you kingmaker, go. sitting there opposite me here. Yes, he makes, <laughs> he makes the. Uh, <laughs> you must do that again. Actually, we'll we'll uh, we'll dig that back up. There's a bunch of stuff to unpack in all of that, uh, Jay. But one of the things. One of my little pet topics is the media. I haven't banged on about it for a while, so it's time to bore everybody with that. The landscape is so different, the landscape that you're talking about. The barrier to entry is nil. It used to be if you wanted to be a golf writer, there was a whole process to go through, and not everybody would make it. You know, you'd have to be a journo. You'd have to find somewhere that would give you a job. You'd then have to not make a meal of that job whilst you were about it, which is not to say that everybody who got through was fantastic at it, but it was a sort of a vetting process. What you're describing is something, well, it's very freeing, but there's a there's another side to it, isn't it? It means there's a lot of rubbish to wade through, but we're uncovering some mm-hmm. amazingly good stuff that we otherwise would never have got as a consumer. That's how it seems to me. I think of yourself, Garrett Morrison is another one who just appeared out of nowhere and has been a fabulous contributor to, the, to golf. In fact, even the whole fried egg operation, Andy Johnson is another who wouldn't have had a voice 15 or 20 years ago. The No Laying Up crew, same deal there. Even us, in a way, me less so. I've always been in the media, but Adrian's found a place. It's quite remarkable, isn't it, Jay? Uh, different world to what no, it really is. What we had previously. Yeah, it's 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 completely different, and uh, there are boundless opportunities. You know, there 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 are challenges too. I mean, you know, you've seen during this pandemic, you know, a lot of um, some of the digital uh, places out there have contracted. Uh, with some of the bigger sports revenues drying up, and I mean, there's no shortage of challenges out there in the in the media space. But to your point, um, those who have the ability to produce, uh, be prolific, uh, have something interesting to say, and do it in a compelling manner, I think you know that the the time is extremely ripe for them to to break through. And you know, I. I feel like I'm still just kind of scratching the surface, but um, but it's fun. It's a fun thing to work on. I'm I'm so impressed by you know everyone you just named and and many others. I just sit back and uh, am am really impressed by some of the things I see come out online on a on a daily basis. It's really cool, and um, and I and I don't think that's going to stop anytime soon. In fact, I think you'll continue to see it evolve and change and um you're going to see people who recognize trends and opportunities before they really come to fruition and jump out there and take advantage of it and um it's really cool to 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 be a part of it you mentioned you're impressed by people whose output is quite prolific with content and a lot of those people we mentioned that you know they start doing that stuff while they've still got another job and i think that's still the case for you as well isn't it jay you're still you're still working yeah how do you find the energy? You've currently taken on a project where you're doing something every day. 
uh, is, is that right? The, the inst- those Instagram posts that you're putting up at the moment. Uh, did you set yeah. yourself the task of putting something up every day? Well, it's funny, man. I, um, I, I, I try to, you know, again, do a lot of A-B testing and find things that work well for me. And, you know, again, you think about that landscape of creators or, and that are out there doing some, some awesome stuff. And I tried to always figure out how can I do things that are unique and, um, that are again, uh, a reflection of, of how I want to be seen in the game of golf and, and, and what I have to believe about the game. And, uh, this year, January 1st, it was, it, it was not really a, something I set out to do with a, you know, uh, a launch pad, you know, runway or anything ahead of it. It, it kind of was a spur of the moment thought that, you know, those would get you in trouble sometimes. Um, <laughs> There's the gift that keeps on giving, Jay, the New Year's Day exactly idea right. that's going to go for a year. Yeah, yeah. I sat. I had this. I had this wonderful afternoon, uh, January first. I was out with my uh, wife and daughter on the golf course. It was a just beautiful afternoon, and uh, you know, the sun's going down and the sky's full of color. And I think I actually had my hickories out that afternoon, pushing. I got. Got the stroller, got my little half set of hickories and uh, a big smile on my face. My daughter running around, you know, wife uh, out having fun. And, you know, just walking around the golf course a few blocks from the house. And I just remember that night coming home and thinking, boy, I've got this made. You know, I, this is this is so wonderful. And this game affords me these opportunities to do this neat little, have these neat little vignettes like this. And I was reflecting on it. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I I feel like I have these moments <laughs> almost on a daily basis where I'm just blown away by something in my life and, and it all comes back to golf. And so I sat down and I started to do a little Instagram post and I went back to the, to the start of it. And for some reason I, I, I got this idea, you know, I said, uh, you know, golf story one out of 300 and, 65 then i realized a month later there was a leap year and I had to change it to 366 and then now i'm you know seven and a half months into it and uh i i, I realized i had gotten off track on my numbering uh and i'm like well i can either keep looking like an idiot or uh start a different way of numbering it so now i just post the date and i'm like i'm not sure why i didn't just start doing that to begin with but uh but it's been a fun journey i i think i've uh, you know, there are days where the well seems a little dry and you feel like you're writing about, you know, something right in front of you and it doesn't start off very well. And a few days later, you go back and read it and go, yeah, it wasn't half bad. Uh, so it's cool. I, I've enjoyed doing it. And, and now that I, I have the book out there and that's doing well, it's kind of inspired me to want to think about doing other books. And I actually think I'm going to turn these posts into a, um, a sequel of sorts sometime next year. So, uh, bear with me folks. We'll see mm. how that shakes out. Yeah. There's, uh, there's, I, I follow a lot of tech blogs and, and things. And the, uh, so a lot of those tech writers do a similar sort of thing where they, they can release a book on a fairly regular basis because it's a collection of their best stories over time where they're, uh, uh they're writing daily. But, uh, the, yeah, that one perfect afternoon really, uh, suckered you into <laughs> to just uh, committing to something pretty foolish. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, but I, I must yeah. say those each of those posts they're two or three paragraphs long. But that, 
they still look to me like the sort of things that probably take about an hour to write or even longer. Is that is that the yeah. case? And how how do you find That's the energy? Right. How do you how do you find the energy for that? You know, uh, I drink a lot of coffee. Um, <laughs> I use I write I write most of those either at uh, you know the six to seven a.m. hour when I'm sitting there having coffee before my daughter wakes up and makes me watch Finding Nemo for the four hundredth time, or uh, or I do it you know late at night after everybody's gone to bed. Um, they're, they're, again, they're nice. They're, it's nice for me because I get to have this moment of sort of clarity either at the beginning or the end of my day where I can, you know, focus a few thoughts in a particular direction. And, you know, yeah, like you said, none of they're probably anywhere from 150 to 300 words at the most. Um, and um, I try to just, you know, offer these little almost devotionals to the game. And uh, I've started compiling uh, the first half of the year already and um, not all of them will, will probably make the final cut but uh, but I do think there's there's some pretty good stuff in there that uh, again I, I continue to get messages on uh, my Instagram and through email people saying you know I, I read this the other day and I shared it with my friends I had you know really one, I had a one cool story I wrote about uh, you know just just sort of the philosophy of of a, of a great caddy and uh a friend of mine told me that uh he does some caddy work and that he had put that printed it out and put it up in their caddy barn and i said well, that's pretty cool you know and so i've had a lot of neat little stories like that 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 kind of keep me uh motivated to produce some more you know mm-hmm. you, you, payback for your daughter will be fantastic when you start replaying the 2019 masters to her as she gets older uh, weekly yeah. say come on time to sit down and watch 2019 again because <laughs> it was uh, one of the who knows what 2020 might bring. While you were talking there, Jay, it struck me that, speaking of uncovering amazing talents, Meg McLaren is one that strikes me. She would have always had a voice in the game as a player, but not the way she does because she has her own blog and writes amazingly. During the week she wrote a piece, I'll get your first thoughts on this first, Adrian, mm-hmm. and there was a line in there that really grabbed me, and this kind of relates to what you're talking about. So my question is, how many of us are there who've got this sickness this badly? <laughs> and it is that it's like a like a sickness. But she mentioned how there are times when she realizes just the ludicrousness of being so immersed and devoting so much energy to something really so ludicrously stupid game, unimportant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you ever have those thoughts, Adrian? You know I do, Rod. <laughs> you, you should. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. When you're, uh, especially when you've got a family and things like Jay does a wonderful job. I think of bring his family out of the cl- out to the club and involving his family in golf. Uh, but my family have absolutely no interest in golf at all. Mine either. Nobody else around yeah. me in my close, <laughs> yeah. apart from people I know, have any interest in the game. And I, I have tried, but they're, they're just not interested. And so it, it does feel like a little bit of a guilty uh, pursuit when you're, when you're out there. And especially if you start playing bad and you just find a way to not enjoy it. You're thinking to yourself, what the hell am I doing here? And what's this I'm, costing me? Am I'm I paying a, for this? I'm an adult paying for this thing. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's just it's, it's just this game. But And, uh, look, often I'd just as sooner just walk around a golf course than, than play. Like, that's that's the sort of point I'm at. But then when you start playing well, you, you do enjoy it. And uh, it, it's a lot of the formality of it, I think, is the, the bit that sucks the joy out of it for me. But then I do. Oh, you I mean do the, the competition and all the other associated. That, that's right. That's the stuff that. Yeah. Like if it's not going well, that stuff brings me down. But if it is going well, I do enjoy that stuff. 
Um, but, you know, the, the way to be certain of enjoying a game of golf, I find, is just to go and play casually and just knock a ball about and enjoy the walk. But I suppose, Jay, to slip in a bit of self-promotion, at its core, the question is, the title of one of the other podcasts I do, The Thing About Golf. And the whole point of that podcast is, in fact, to try to uncover, and I don't know that we ever will, what is that thing about golf? I don't think, and I don't think it's just because I'm golf biased, I don't feel like other sports or recreations or pursuits seem to drag people in the way golf does. What do you reckon, Jay? Or am I just ignoring yeah, a whole bunch yeah. of other stuff because golf's my game? <laughs> no, I think you're, you're spot on. And, you know, I mean, other sports are only participatory for people up until, you know, what, your maybe early 20s? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, you know, exception of, uh, you know, tennis, some of the racket sports and things, you know, people obviously play those running and things of that nature. That's that bicycling that those are different, but, but golf is, is very unique. I mean, it really is a game, um, for your lifetime. And, and for me, you know, golf, um, golf has just been my life. I don't, it, it, it has, um, it has shaped me uh, in my formative years, and um, and and I think it I think it went a long way in in saving me um, in my um, you know twenties. I, I you know I, I felt like there was a time where there were probably some big voids in my life, and I'm really glad that I came back to golf and used that to fill them. You know, I remember when I first was starting to date my wife, we were. We were dating in the winter. We started dating in the winter time, and we, you know we had a lot of wonderful days together, and and just were falling in love. It was great. And I remember as the spring started coming on, I I I could tell she was noticing that I was you know wanting <laughs> the, to play golf. More the more. itch. <laughs> yeah, and I remember sitting down with her, and I was like, "Hey," I said, "I I, I need to we need to have a conversation because I just need you to kind of get a grasp of what this is and." You know, in case you couldn't tell by all the golf stuff in my house at the time, you know, I was like, I said, I, I play a, a, a lot of golf. And, and she said, oh, I know you play golf. She goes, my dad and my brother play golf. And I said, well, no, 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 no. <laughs> they, they, they play occasionally. I said, I'm, I'm, I compete and I travel and I'm, I said, honey, it's a, it's a pretty significant part of my life. And I'm not sure she really understood the warning I was trying to give her, but <laughs> I have a mistress. Um, I've just got to tell you before yeah, we get married, yeah. I have a mistress. It, it's, it's for real. And you know, though, for me, I, I, I feel, um, you know, vastly incomplete when I don't have, uh, golf in my life. Now I don't have to have it every day, but I, I need to have it, you know, on a pretty regular click. I, I, it, for, I, I feel like my, um, my mind becomes very cluttered, uh, you know, after a few days uh, with no golf and, you know, the soul starts to get a little tangled up. And I mean, you know, you think about the world we live in today, right? I mean, you can tune in any which way you please and find bad news and um, all kinds of troubling things. And, you know, golf is, is a, a escape for me. And, it, and um, it's also therapeutic and meditative and uh, you know I, I really am able to find um the essence of who i am when i'm out there and um you know i always like the way uh 
uh, Rand Morissette, you know, uses the, the expression kindred spirits a lot. And, um, you can tell when you come across someone, um, like Meg was talking about, you know, that's afflicted with this love for the game. I mean, you become, you become close almost instantaneously. Uh, you know, you, 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 when you share that kind of passion for something, um, and it, and it clicks and you both know you're, you're on the same wavelength. Oh, you can just sit there and have a beer and talk about it, play a few holes and become, you know, best mates pretty quickly. And, um, and I love that about golf. I, I can't get enough of that. And I love that it is something that encourages me to get out and see the world and meet new people and try to try to gain more understanding. And yeah, you know, golf's got a lot of things going for it. Got a lot of things, you know, that still need fixing. Um, you know, to your point about your episode last week, I, being a, a father of a you know two and a half year old who who enjoys going to play as as she calls it putt putt, you know, with me, um, I want to make sure she's experiencing the game in an environment that's um, you know open to her and welcome to her and encouraging to her and um, and the same for her mom and the same for anybody else. Um, I heard my you know my mom said something to me one time that it really kind of jarred me um it wasn't too terribly long ago probably four four or five months ago i went over and walked a few holes with my dad um at the course where they live and uh mom came out and my mom you know was hitting some balls and just i mean just crushing them. Her swing looked great i'm like guys like mom i was like i forget how good your swing is you, know, you don't ever play and and i asked her so i'm why didn't you ever really take up the game more and she kind of looked at me with this expression, um, almost a blank look, and she said, "You know, nobody cared if I played golf when I was a little girl." And I was like, "And and and it really kind of rocked me." And I was like, "Wow, you know that? I, I don't like that, and and I don't want my daughter to ever feel that way." So, you know, um, for all of us that are uh, obsessed with the game, traumatized by it, whatever, you know, I, I think the more we go into it, the more good we can do with it. You know. Daughters have such a role to play in no. the, the future relationship of golf with women. I think, Adrian, don't you? I, and I think that's probably becoming more so. Thirty years ago, professional golfers or whoever might not have given a thought to what their daughters might face. I don't think that's the case anymore. I think just about, and that's a generational change. Somebody like Rory McIlroy can't help but think, well, if I had a daughter, would I be happy with how golf interacts yeah. with her? Yeah, and it's so inbuilt into golf, isn't it? Where you have, you know, a father son. Uh, event that there used to be that silly season event on. The, oh, I don't know if they still have it. Actually, the father son. I'm not sure. Didn't Annika play in it last year? Just, well, the there, there's been women play yeah. on it in you know, it quite regularly for a number of years, I think. But still, just the anachronism of its of its origin being a father son event is just so anachronistic. Well, that political correctness gone mad is what you're campaigning for there, Adrian. So just stop it, mate. Nobody, uh, nobody wants to hear it. Jay, I'm glad to hear that your daughter thinks it's putt putt and not putt putt putt. When it gets yeah. to putt, 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 you need to get to the practice green, my friend. Most of what you described there about the daily need and feeling all discombobulated or, you know, tangled up if you don't get it, I, I was just thinking of coffee, basically. That whole, every, every, <laughs> coffee everything you beer. said there applied yeah, to right. coffee, I think. Depending on the end of the day, it's either coffee or beer. It's a bit cultish, isn't it, Adrian? What uh, Jay's describing in a way there. Our mate Woke Kenzie reckons there's a sub-cult in golf of the Wokesters who, you know, it's okay for a... 90s course or that kind of thing. Are we in danger here? Are we yeah. place too much importance on the game? Yeah, it's not necessarily uh, 
a healthy thing, is it? Like Jay, I think in one of his recent posts described uh, the sense that a lot of golf clubs achieve a, a sense of community, and I think that's a healthy thing. But it's very easy for a community to tip over into being a clique, mm. and and that and cliques are difficult to break into. And every golf club has, and I know they're, they're at mine. I'm part of one at mine, if <laughs> truth yeah. be told. Well, absolutely, yeah. And and so that's the danger I think for people to look out for is you know you're very comfortable in your in your community slash mm. clique there, but be be aware of you know how it feels to be on the outside of that and and welcome people in. And, and I think you know. The sort of writing that Jay does and the sort of uh, things that he projects and puts out there uh, are encouraging or are inviting to, to non-golfers. And um, part of your history, Jay, was your uh, uh, was it president of Capital City Golf Club in Tallahassee? Yeah, that's and, right. Sure was. And uh, I, you know, I don't know, but the the sort of the way you bring your family into the club, it, to me, it seems like the sort of inviting attitude that board members at clubs can. Uh, can take on or can look at and, and think about implementing in their own clubs. Is that is that something you consciously tried to do uh, when you joined? And did you, do you feel like it had much of an effect on the culture of the golf club? Yeah, I think so. You know, I, I there's a few things I was very proud of. I did it for uh, one year, which is about as much as I'd ever advise anyone to do that job. Um, and um, I really, I really did enjoy it. I was, I was very passionate about it. And, um, I brought in a lot of young people uh, to be members, and we also opened the club up to the public. Um, you know, there are some obviously member privileges, but uh, the um, allowing anyone to play the golf course from our community—it's a really special place, and it still thrills me to this day when I come out there and um, you know just see people from all walks of life enjoying golf in a beautiful setting um and it's been great for the bottom line of the club too um and you know i i, I love history it's it was it was great to um spend some time and i still collect a lot of uh, you know intel on the history of our club and probably will turn that into a little book for everybody out there one day but um you know i, I try to i try to lead by example best i can you know i fall short like anyone else but um, I, I've always tried to bring my family out there a lot. A lot of our younger members are bringing their families out there now. And, you know, we have a, a good example. Um, you know, there's a, a men's grill room, card room, whatever you want to call it. But um, it's not really like off in the locker room like you would see in some places. It's sort of just in a more prominent part of the club. And um, I, I, it's nice to have seen – some of the walls of that, you know, uh, figuratively come down. Um, people are in there with their wives and kids on a pretty regular basis now. And, and, you know, and that's fine. It's, it's a cool hang. It's where people want to be. And, um, I think that's a good thing. And, um, but no, we've, we've, we've come a long way out there and I think the culture is good. You've got a lot of people who are, you got a lot of young people who are into golf uh, and we have uh, we have a lot of ladies that play golf out there, and uh, people from all over the community. And it's it's what you want, you know. When I talked about that, that post you mentioned, Adrian, the that sense of community that you want to build, you want it to be a place where where people who have a love for golf can come and be near each other, interact with each other. Um, you know, I think about uh, I've 
in my day job, you know, over the, over the past decade, I've engaged in a lot of discussions, you know, about startup cultures and how um, some of these um, entrepreneurship hubs work. And, you know, we've got a couple of great ones here in Tallahassee. And um, I, I, I think about a place like Winter Park or Sweetens Cove. What what really makes those places so so uh, magical is that is that sense of community, and they, they really lead with that. And um, by doing that, they they create this atmosphere that's conducive to to wonderful things happening. And if you're someone who is new to the game, or or, or maybe just new to uh, open to to new experiences in the game. When you go to those places, you can sense that energy. I mean, it really is palpable, and it it, it makes you feel more compelled uh, to find more places like that, or to create cultures like that wherever uh, wherever your golfing home may be. And and that's a good thing. And we need and we need more of that. I mm. think. I'm intrigued. Those two examples that you mentioned there, in particular, are a fabulous model for just about any uh, sort of public golf facility. But to get golfy on it for a moment, what it does, you're right, that attitude welcomes people in, people who might not have experienced golf, people who might have experienced not liked it before. But then the key to them, to me, and for the health and future of golf, is the courses are good and interesting and then imbue people who take that step to take more of an interest in golf than just I go and do it on a Wednesday sometimes. I did this experiment at my own club a couple of years ago. I played with different groups each Saturday for a while. And I asked people, why do you play? And for the most part... I don't think there's anybody at my club that I can think of that is even a quarter as interested in the game as I am, maybe two people. And for the rest, it's just something to sort of do on a Wednesday and or a Saturday. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but I wonder whether you get more people who get more into the game sort of the way we are if they start at Winter Park. You've been to Winter Park, Adrian. Does that make sense? The, the, the culture is the most important thing, but for golf – the golf course being interesting is a is a is just as important. My own home golf club is not particularly interesting. It's not the place that would fascinate you. Think, well, look up there and figure out that shot on the third. You don't get any of that there. But at Winter Park and Sweetens Cove, you do. Yeah. Well, well, that's a, that's where Jay and I met at Winter Park. Yeah. Funnily enough, the the quality of the golf course that you play as a beginner. I don't know. You, I think you see something special in the shaping, uh, but you don't necessarily understand what you're seeing from an architectural point of view or something. No, no, you, no, you just know that. that somebody deliberately put those things there. That's right. I think if there's a if you can see some intent that there was the hand of a human uh, making some decisions about what to put where, then that I think is engaging. And but any pretty much any resort course does that. And and that's not bad. I mean resort those sort of resort course and the sort of shaping you get and the the bunkering and the big greens and everything look impressive to a non-golfer, I think. So it, it's not; a, it's a pretty good way to be introduced to the game. Would the game be better, Jay? I'm a, I've been a proponent of this for a long time. And in fact, people much smarter than me like Greg Turner and even Clates have said to me that I'm on the wrong train with this. But would the game be better if people developed more of a interest and appreciation in architecture, leaving aside all the cultural stuff about the game, but the game itself, if people were more educated about the importance of the golf course in the game? I, I think you hit the nail on the head a, a couple of minutes ago talking about, you know, courses that are interesting because what I think happens, and this is, you know, I'll speak to my personal experience. Um, I, for the majority of my life, um, 
I, I, I never really placed much premium on uh, the golf course. You know, it was more of an opportunity to play, maybe in a unique place, you know, if, you, if I was traveling or something. Um, and, uh, I, you know, the, the architecture just never really meant all that much to me. You know, you wanted to play someplace pretty, you know, and attractive. I think that was that's kind of an obvious to, to most people. Um, but the, the architecture stuff never really clicked for me until really two things happened. I mean, when I joined out at Capital City, I, I, you start to realize after a little while that, you know, this place is pretty unique, you know, compared to other places. And that kind of creates some curiosity where I wanted to learn more about that. And it happened to be happening simultaneous with this real, uh, emergence of, uh, great information. I mean, you can go back and listen to episodes of the Fried Egg podcast with Andy, or what Derek is doing. Uh, you know, with his show, Derek Duncan. I mean, you can get a real—I mean, almost a master's level education in in golf course architecture by taking those things, reading some of Shackelford's work. You know, I've got all his books. You know, Tom Doak's books. I mean, you go further down the rabbit hole. And what I think it is is. Um, I'm not sure that that good golf design uh, makes the game better for the for the average player. I think what it does is it makes it more interesting and more intriguing. And, and you know, golf again is it really is kind of a rabbit hole industry, right? I mean, um, your your average player is you know maybe going to have a bucket list of some places that they've heard of or seen on tv that they want to go to and travel and that's great but after a while once you really start digging into it it's kind of like um it's kind of like a wine culture right i mean not to sound snobby but it's really like any any subculture where you can dive deeper learn more become curious uh travel to see places have your eyes opened uh learn to uh, discern between various styles you know all of that to me is just endlessly fascinating. And, uh, you know, again, you talk about, you know, the obsessiveness that, that golf can breed in us all. I mean, I think that's a good thing. It's a good, it's a good place to, to put your energy, right? I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a believer that we all have certain amounts of energy in us. Uh, and you either put that towards productive things or unproductive things. And, you know, depending on who you ask, <laughs> golf is can be either one of those but <laughs> but for me it's productive because i i feel like it's a place that i can steer my passion uh and it's a place that um that keeps me learning i, I love to learn about golf i mean there's just so much depth and volume to it and i think that's a pretty cool thing it's a constructive thing for most people and um and that's good and and we are i will say this i i really do believe you've seen places succeed uh in in making their golf more interesting making it more accessible you know we talked about sweetens and winter park and there are a variety of others and and i really do believe it's catching on i think you're starting to see more and more places are are taking that approach and finding success with it in my book there's a section there called a strategic plan for american golf and it could just be a strategic plan for golf period and um, you know, there's always things you wish maybe you would go back and revise, but, but we, it, it speaks to that. You know, I, I saw this course up in, uh, Richmond, Virginia. Maybe y'all have seen it online. It's called Belmont. It's an old 
A.W. Tillinghast course, and the city was about to shutter it. And uh, enough golf advocates, enough of the crazies, right, came out and, and, and pleaded with them not to do so. And they ended up coming up with a new strategy to uh, revive the golf there. And they brought in Davis Love's golf architecture company, who, for a player named company, um, which kind of gets a bad rap, um, in general, they, they do fabulous work. I mean, what they've done at Sea Island is great. They've done some really great, uh, courses, but they're going up there. They're going to take it. They're going to take 12 of the original tilling assholes and fully restore them. Uh, you're going to have a 12 hole, you know, uh, regular golf course, which is great, right? You get around in you know, less time and it's going to be top notch. They're taking the other space. They're going to create a six hole short course with, some of the some replica uh, greens and holes from some of Tillinghast's most famous uh, par threes, and then they're going to have this first tee program facility that, with a great short game facility and learning facility and all this kind of stuff, and you just get the sense that that people are starting to figure out that hey, you know, these smaller doses of golf and offered in very interesting mechanisms, uh, it works. It gets people interested in it and it gets you hooked, you know. And that's, I think that's really what, what our future is going to be a lot more like. Yeah, you're, you're, you're touching on an old chestnut here, which I wanted to raise again with Adrian. Jay said something really interesting earlier, which is all those other, when we were talking about what's the thing about golf, all those other sports you play until what, your early 20s? Mm-hmm. It speaks to the responsibility, does it not, of governments to public golf because their facilities that will be used by a lifetime for members of the community. Governments put a lot of money into football fields, the big ones you see on TV with the stadiums and all that, millions and millions and millions of dollars. They're effectively catering to a section of the community that will stop using that facility, certainly by their 30s for the most part. Yeah, and at a lot of football fields, as far as I can see when I'm looking at them from a golf course, are, are empty, but is the same complaint. People have you, have, have, you got, have you got the one-eyed Clover Moore thing going there where you're looking the other way across the fence <laughs> exactly. and that the park's empty? <laughs> exactly. Why don't they turn it into a golf Just, course? I'm turning up on the days when there's no training <laughs> on it. <laughs> But, yeah, look, uh, those local councils do studies where they try and work out what physical activities Mm -hmm. uh, the people who live in their constituency are doing. And you more often than not find that walking is one of the top uh, activities that people do. I think it's it's often that's like, you know, 8% or something. Oh, no, it's more like 12% or something on average. But there's I'm, I'm being walking normative here, but uh, there's uh, <laughs> walkers. <laughs> there's uh, let's say there's twelve percent walkers. I, I think golf comes in roughly not far behind that in in most communities, uh, at least fitting a certain demographic where the, where a golf course would be. And uh, that's you know that that's not something you can ignore. That's exercise for a hell of a lot of people within and, within a community. So and in golf, not to stereotype, golf is. For people who play golf their whole lives, retirement's fantastic because they get to play a whole lot of golf. The demographic of over 65s who play golf and who governments say they want to make sure stay active, golf is a fantastic way to do it. That's right. And they do lose interest in a facility if it's not kept mm. interesting. Mm. And and so where Jay's talking about investing in old clubs and mm-hmm. keeping what they've got intact and uh, or renovating them to restore what they used to have i think that is important and we've seen that in australia a little bit sandringham golf club yeah. in melbourne i think is a great example uh, and it is a shorter form of golf that they're, they're making room in this place jay for a, 
a bunch of facilities, and that's meant the gulf has to be smaller. But it's a great piece of land. It's right next to Royal Melbourne, mm. in fact, right in the heart of the sandbelt. And uh, but it's a public. It's always been a public golf course. And uh, you, you could say even before this renovation started, it might have been the number one public golf course in Melbourne in terms of the quality of golf. It was Sandringham was really sort of a quiet, I remember, quite, quietly amazing golf course. I remember course. parking on it for the first time at the 1998 yeah. President's <laughs> yeah. Cup and thinking to myself, this is a travesty. Yeah. How can you be parking cars here? <laughs> yeah. This is crazy. It's, it's always been great. And then they now share a lot of the agronomy team or the entire agronomy Royal team Melbourne with Royal Melbourne. It's, it's, yeah, Royal Melbourne looks after right. it. So. Uh, they've brought in the Sutton's mix and all that sort of thing. But, yeah, redesigned the golf course. It's a smaller form of golf, um, but there was a lot of debate whether they should have 12 holes or 18 holes, and they opted for sh- an, a short 18 holes, um, which is... Which is a shame. Something of a compromise, I think. That would have been a bold and potentially very important statement had they opted for 12 holes there, I think. It, it really would yeah, I, even, who knows though? It's no, just so risky. It, yeah. it, but it's the experiment that has to play out somewhere. It's it? risky for existing golfers because it would yeah. meet a lot of pushback amongst existing golfers. But if you're talking about a 50 year plan for the game, a facility like that is absolutely essential yeah. because you're talking about a bunch of people you want to bring into the game who have no preconceived notions. They know golf's nine or eight in holes from their limited impact, you know, interactions with the game and seeing it on TV, but they don't feel like they have to go and play 18. We feel. We we have to play it in because we've been playing golf for a long time, and that's the way it's always been. It's no more than that. And I love the idea of a short eighteen holes as well. Like the, yes, I'm not saying it's a bad something- facility there, but it's a it's a shame that there wasn't that. Bu- that's a statement that somebody needs to make in golf that a twelve hole. Well, Shiskin is it in Scotland? I think is twelve hole. Yeah, yeah, the, and well, yeah. I mean, th- those are experiments that need to play out in a big yeah. metropolitan area yes. to see how it works. I think. Yeah, indeed. Sorry, we got completely off. We uh, did yeah. completely off track there. Jay, where can people find the book? How do they go about it? How do I how do I print my own copy? Can I just go onto Amazon and print it out on my printer and staple it together? And or, or do I have to actually get a proper book delivered? <laughs> Become a publishing giant? Yeah, no, right. yeah, they'll, they'll they'll deliver it right to your doorstep. Uh, it's yeah, the easiest way just go onto Amazon uh, if you search. Uh, the Nine Virtues of Golf, uh, I believe it'll be the only one that comes up. Uh, you can search <laughs> yeah. me on there. Yeah. Uh, but your and, website, uh, can you get it through your website? You can get it. You can get it. You can access it on Amazon through my website. Okay. Uh, but all of the candling and everything goes to Amazon, which, again, um, really made the whole thing possible for me because I don't really want to be in the book distributorship business. But uh, no. um, but it's been cool. and. Um, my buddy uh, Tom Coyne was kind enough to write the forward for the book, and that was uh, a nice honor to have him do that. And I just hope, you know, if again, if you're someone who's a uh, golf obsessive, uh, I, I think you'll enjoy it. I think it'll be something that you, you find uh, a little parallel maybe to your own life in. And um, like I said, anybody who uh, does find themselves in it, enjoys reading it, drop me a note. I'd love to hear from you. And and connect with you. Um, uh, that's kind of my favourite part of this whole gig, you know. I'm, I'm a bit disappointed at, to find out it's about all this philosophical stuff. I was hoping, hoping the nine. <laughs> it's going to fix your slice. Well, well I thought it was like the your version of the seven four seven swing thought method or something. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. it's all right. Well, I'll, I'll probably I'll probably get it. I'll probably get it. Uh, very cool. So jrevel dot com. Uh, we'll put a link in the show notes. That's where we find you. Where do we find you on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all those other places that people like to go and stalk people like yourself. Yeah, I'm at JRevel uh, on Twitter. Pretty active on there for the most part. Uh, I try to keep the snark to a minimum. 
And uh, I'm over on Instagram at jrevelwrites. And uh, would love to have you follow along on the journey there. Well, you get the daily updates, don't you, Adrian? Exactly. the daily. I was going to say, Jay, I'll, uh, I'll keep an eye on those daily updates. There's, I don't know if you know, there's a guy called Jonathan Mann who does Song A Day. And he started what you're doing about oh, a number of years ago. He's now up to over 4,000 songs. He's, he writes wow. a song every day. So, wow. That's cool. He's, it's pretty much destroyed his life. There's so. a man who needs help <laughs> in his life, and quickly. Uh, There's also that camera guy. You remember the guy who took a selfie of himself every day for like a five years or something like that? Why would I remember that? That is such an un-me thing to know or we'll be interested in. This photographer, I was just being polite. This photographer, Noah Kalina, who took a photo of himself every day for five years in exactly the same position. So, you can see him aging right in front of you. And it's, it's pretty impressive. But oh, he can cut the he rubbish. Continued, do, it, do it and then release it late when you've done it. He don't he continued, don't me to it every day. No, no. That's what he did. He put it all together in one video. So, you can see him sort of aging in one video. But then he went ahead and did it for the next 10 years as well. So, anyway, you see what you've started now, Jay. So some people really. All do. right. So before before I let you guys go, right? <laughs> I I got a question for you all because I I am a fan of the show and a fan of y'all's perspective. I'm curious, uh, what would you guys both think is the most interesting thing happening in golf today? Well, I don't think it's tour golf. I think the most interesting thing in golf is the most contentious. I think. We're at a, a really important nexus with distance technology and how the game is going to deal with that going forward, particularly at the elite level, but not only at the elite level. I think there are broad impacts that need to be dealt with in that space, and it includes everybody from the manufacturers who seem to feel they have something to lose uh, to to all of us, every single person in golf, whether they know it or not, this should be something that they are interested in and thinking about. I think it's... Uh, it's the most important thing, and to me, it's the most interesting. Having said that, I'm not a big follower of the tour since I don't have to write about it anymore. I found myself surprisingly uncompelled by it. I'm surprised at how I little golf. Force you to watch a little bit of how golf little golf I watch. Yeah. Um, so that's just me getting older and curmudgeonly. Adrian, what's the most interesting thing in golf? Well, you, since you've just given me another thirty seconds to think about it. Uh, I might have come up with something a bit better. But since the world, like for me, it's just returning to something a little bit more simple with golf. And since the world at the moment is you know, very divisive, I, I always often think of something you, you say, Rod, where you can play a game of golf with somebody and it doesn't matter your differences. Um, you know, for that time that you're playing golf together with them. Mm. You can be friends with them. You, you wouldn't have a clue what your, right. you your wouldn't differences know that are. They were. You wouldn't know that they hold yeah. some completely opposite opinion to yours. And uh, golf, I think, has always been excellent at that, and and now more than ever, I think that's probably pandemic uh, has really brought something around. That's, that's probably something it's we uncovered can something in golf, yep. hasn't it? Yeah. Yep. What are you reckon, AJ? What are you thinking? What's the most interesting thing in golf? Well, I love I love that thought process. You know, the book actually closes with a a story called uh, a simple game for troubled times. And uh, I won't spoil it for everyone, but it talks about me playing with my dad and reaching out to him and, you know, using golf as a, as a real bridge um, between some differences. And, uh, you know, we do live in a, a complicated time, but that's, uh, I'm sure there are plenty of people from previous generations that would laugh at that sentiment, but um you know, I, I think right now golf, to your point, Rod, is uh, is in a very interesting place. You have uh, 
um, conflicting things uh, all coming to a head. Uh, the distance debate, um, I think, is is starting to uh, that tide is starting to turn, and I think we have the uh, mad scientist to uh, credit for some of that. Um, it's just gotten to a point to where it, it has made that elite level of golf kind of a snooze, to be honest with you, and and that's unfortunate. The most the best golf I've seen. Uh, on television in the last you know year was the President's Cup. Oh, watching by watching miles, Jay, by mesmerizing thing. miles. Exactly, it was a privilege to be there. Genuinely, I mean, it was a privilege to be there and see, in particular, Tiger at that golf course. I've said it before, but it is the bringing together of the the magnificent instrument and the incredible musician to see Tiger make music on that golf course was something that you know, if you saw it, you'd never forget it. It was incredible. That that will go down uh, long from now when we talk about him as a golfer. Um, that I think that will go down as one of his his great achievements in the game, the way he was playing there. And and again, to think about how it was put, how the game was put on display there was just magnificent. Um, and you know, so I think we have some. There's a lot of good trends in golf that are happening. I think more people are waking up to. Um, you know, maybe the understanding the difference between good and great, um, and even places, you know, your everyday places that a lot of people are playing golf, people are recognizing, Hey, there are ways we can make this better. Uh, we can make this a better experience and attract more people to the game. And, um, I, I, I kind of call it placemaking in golf. That's something that really interests me a lot. Um, I think that, you know, again, if someone can come into a, a golf course, a golf facility, a club, whatever, and they can find little things throughout their experience that um, um, that 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 enhance the game. You know, make 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 them feel more connected to it. Those are the things that I like to explore. You know, in my writing and um, and and in the things that I will get to work on with some people in golf. And I think that um, the game is is heading uh, in a good direction. I try to be someone that's a trend spotter. And I think uh, the the trends, the underlying trends in the game are very good. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll leave you with this thought maybe on the pandemic. I, I think what I've told people about it, in my opinion, is that it's a societal accelerant. Uh, the things that are the underlying trends that maybe were going to take 10 years to uh, come to a head uh, are all happening immediately. We've mm. basically advanced a decade's worth of advancement Um socially almost overnight i mean it is a real inflection point you see golf you see those conflicts happening right now Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways in golf but you also see the positivity happening Mm -hmm. um as tragic as the pandemic has been it has been i don't think there's any question good for golf in the sense that uh, as you've taken away a lot of other things that compete for our time right now People are finding out, or or maybe remembering again, uh, that golf is a great way to spend time. You can spend time with people. You can be with your family. You can be with your friends. You can be out in nature. You can get exercise. And um, that golf cart wasn't as necessary as you thought it was. Uh, The rakes in the bunker are not that necessary. it's, It's simplifying the game, and it's presenting it in a good way. And people are responding well to that. And I hope and pray that golf is smart enough to capitalize on that. Because if we get it right right now, I think um, 
I think we could see this uh, uh, put our game on a real uh, impressive trajectory for the next decade. Couldn't agree more. I'm reminded of a line from an Obama speech, which I don't remember verbatim, but it was about peace and uh, and, and reconciliation. So, you know, when, when, when we reach out with an open hand, it can't be met with a closed fist, and golf needs to make sure we don't meet this new interest with a closed fist, and I think we've been presenting a closed fist golf to the rest of the world for a long time. And if we change that, you're absolutely right. Jay, there's some interesting stuff to think about in those last few thoughts of yours. That'll keep me going for the rest of the day, but we must let you go. It's been fantastic to catch up, Jay. It always is. Do urge people to uh, to get on Amazon or go on to jrevel.com uh, and get themselves a copy of the book. If you're one of those people, and they are out there from time to time, who's borderline about becoming a golf junkie, you're just sort of a bit interested in the game and a bit more interested than just what your score is and you're starting to come down that road, Jay's book would be a fantastic place to start. It'd be a wonderful and it's by by no means will it be the end for you. It's only the beginning of books, podcasts, magazines, stories, and it's, things to it's read. It's designed to infect people with That's this ex- disease. Exactly right. It's, <laughs> it's a part of the pandemic. Jay, fantastic to talk, mate. Thanks very much. Really appreciate the time. Thanks for having me on, gents. It's a pleasure to hear from you, and uh, I hope uh, you find a lot of good, fortunate days on fairways near and far. I think we will, Adrian. Uh, good to have you aboard. Thank you for your input as always today, mate. Great to have you in the studio. Thanks very much, Rod. Thanks, Joe. And to those of you still listening, thank you for coming on the journey with us. Uh, episode 41 in the books, but we will be back to do it all again next week on episode 42 of the Good Good Golf Podcast.